The Gaily Profit is 100% supported by listeners like you. Help keep this podcast going by visiting thegailyprofit.com and clicking on donate or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. Hello, dear ones. We would like to thank our newest review leavers. So thank you to Gwyn on Facebook, A Rose Pearl on iTunes, and Darcy1567 on iTunes. And if you are keeping count like we are, this means that we now only need six more reviews before we hit 50. And I wanted to mention two things. If you've left us a review somewhere that is not iTunes, Stitcher, or Facebook, we don't know that you did that. So you should send us an email. And two, if you don't live in the U.S. and you leave us an iTunes review, we can't see it unless we log into iTunes as the country that you're in, which is very strange. And ridiculous. Very super, ridiculous. Super ridiculous. Uh, we're signed up for this thing that says it shows us the ones from all of the countries, except one person emailed us a screenshot of their review from a country that's not showing up in that app. So I just want to go ahead and be like, hey... If you live in a different country and you've left us a review, please just send us an email with like a little screenshot of it so that we know because we want to make sure that we thank you and um, count you appropriately and and everything. So we're so close to sending stickers out to 10 of you. Yeah. And with that. The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you've read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. (laughs) We have to stop this podcast. This book causes Satanism. Is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we're going to be talking about chapter 11, The Dueling Club. What an exciting chapter. Brief summary. The gang starts their polyjuice potion. Lockhart hosts a disastrous dueling club where everyone learns that Harry's a parcel mouth, something that Salazar Slytherin was known for. Because of this, everyone is more freaked out by Harry, so it does not help when Harry discovers Justin Finch Fletchley and Nilly Headless Nick petrified. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. All right, we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Hogwarts school to remain open despite the fact that students are in obvious peril. When questions, most parents claimed that a prolonged state of terror and uncertainty builds character. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, also true, it seems like. <laughs> it's so baffling that they haven't closed the school. Like, yeah. 
It's like, what are they? Sorry, this isn't actually in my notes, but like, what are they telling these muggle parents about their children? Do they tell them anything? They're not. They're definitely not. So like, they're just waiting for the kids' letters and they're like, I guess they're having a good time. I haven't heard from them. And it's like, what? Oh my God. They're probably forging them. I don't know. Oh my God. I feel like, so like two of my front page things are just talking about the nightmare fuel in this chapter. There's so much of it. We're not on the front page yet though. So let's get there. Oh, sorry. You're fine. We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper, starting with nightmare fuel. So much nightmare fuel. Like, the description of, like, the swelling solution splattering all the Slytherin kids is horrifying. Yep. Like, it took me a minute because there's, like, a thing where it's, like, Goyle is, like, covering his eyes with his hands, and I think his eyes are the swell to the size of dinner plates. And I'm like, uh-huh. what? And it is just, like, it's just so awful that I'm like, oh, no. So I have a, a little bit of a different, I mean, you're correct, but also when I was reading about the swelling solution, the only thing that I was like thinking about was like, why are they being taught this potion? What is it used for? And I'm pretty sure that the only answer of what you use swelling solution for is dick enlargement. I mean, I guess, yes, that's clearly all you're ever going <laughs> to use it for. <laughs> But I guess if you, like, I don't know, wanted to make some really big tomatoes and carrots in your garden, just... Do you think it works on things other than people? Or, like, animals? I feel like it probably doesn't work on inanimate objects, but I would assume it would work on living things. Okay. I guess, no, this is a good point. What the fuck is the point of swelling solution? Because, like, are you just making it in general large? I'm just... I don't know. This is this is the shit that all of our spam folders are full of, where it's like just like one drop, and then you're like, "Yeah, I'm a porn star." <laughs> but I'm like, if, I mean, could I like pour it on my cat and make like my cat jump? I'm just. It doesn't seem like because it seems like it only affects the area that it hits. So like one drop on your cat your cat would swell on that part of its body, which is why I feel like it's that's the only thing it would be good for, because it, like, it hits Malfoy in the nose, and his nose gets really big. So I guess then the question is, why the fuck are they learning this? Exactly. Exactly. Do, do, is the sex ed at Hogwarts, like, undercover teaching children the potions and shit that they need for their like healthy and happy sex lives without blatantly telling them that that's what they're learning. Everyone in that classroom is thinking about this. Yeah, this is true. I guess I feel like then they really should be teaching don't put too much on your dick because then it's just <laughs> going to be like three foot long and then like <laughs> what are you going to like you're going to have to take care of that. It's really important to make sure you teach them the deflating draft at the same time as the swelling solution, because otherwise you end up with kids like this fucking friend that I had in high school who took one of his dad's Viagra. (laughs) 
my god. If you take Viagra when you don't need it, turns out you just have an erection that lasts, like, all day. And it was, like, the funniest thing in the entire world. I feel like... I feel like I also have a high school story like that. About, like, someone in my high school doing that and just, like, their erection just didn't go away. And I'm just like, that sounds painful, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, I remember him saying that it was, like, basically numb and, like, thwacking his dick against the the edges of tables in classes to try and, like, make it go down. Wait, he took it during school? That yes, seems like... What? No, dude, we don't need to talk about how just incredibly fucked up my friends were in high school. All right, that's They would, fun. like, take an entire pack of cold medicine and then go to class. Why? I don't know. I think that makes more sense to me than taking a Viagra if you're not going to be trying to, like fuck someone for like 10 hours just like you're just like in class in pain i think that he just wanted to know what would happen well i was gonna say it's an excellent segue into my other point about this about my front page okay <laughs> which is percy looking very cheerful coming out of the library he was totally in the library with his girlfriend uh-huh yeah just like why are you like why are you in the library at like 9 a.m or whatever it's like okay percy all right uh-huh <laughs> That's a really good point. Well spotted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Percy. Uh, okay, so like s- staying on the theme, I just thought the whole situation where Lockhart during the dueling club like drops his wand and is like, my wand got overexcited. Is so <laughs> I know, just like, what? <laughs> Sounds like a problem. Maybe you should take yes. care of it private. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, frankly, for a book about magic wands, the amount of inadvertent wand innuendo is maybe kind of low. Maybe not low, but no, I th- I think you're right. Yeah, <sighs> great. The rest of my front pages aren't nearly as funny, so... Yeah, I have a few more things that I just wanted to point out of varying degrees of amusement. Yeah, go for it. The the bit where Harry's in the library and he's, like, spying on the... Or he's overhearing the Hufflepuffs saying shitty things to him. I think... I would assume you would also have this, where he is hidden in the invisibility section of the library. I underlined it and then I didn't put it in my notes. I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. It's like, okay, I see what you're doing there. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I I had never put this together before, but it's really interesting that Snape teaches Harry his very favorite spell. I feel like it's an interesting echo to book six where Harry inadvertently learns a lot from Snape without really either of them realizing it. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this is sort of another instance of that happening. Because, yeah, like, Harry fucking loves Expelliarmus. Like, that's literally the only spell he ever uses when he's, like, in trouble. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, there's, like, more Harry using Expelliarmus, like, memes and comics and jokes on the internet than you can count. I just have one other note about nightmare fuel in this chapter, which is, I guess, really for me, who is also terribly afraid of spiders, 
where Harry is noticing a line of spiders like scuttling away from the petrified bodies of Justin and nearly headless Nick. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and it's like, if it's a line, there's probably a fuck ton of them. And I'm like, ugh. I never knew that you were afraid of spiders. I think you said it maybe a couple episodes ago. And I was like, oh. But then, yeah, that's a bummer because Nicole is also very not a fan of spiders. I feel like that's unfair because every every couple should have one not afraid of bugs person. <laughs> I mean, I'm still the designated bug killer in, in this house. So, like, it freaks, it, like, they freak me out. And, like, I don't like killing spiders. I try not to kill spiders because I know logically that they're really great. But, yeah, they creep me out. I mind them if they're really big or if they're a surprise. But if neither of those things are the case, I'm fine. And I just bug ambulance them, you know, Mm -hmm. the cup and the piece of paper and like, all right, let's leave my home. Yeah. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So what Peeves does to Harry is awful. It's not kind or good, but also it's, he's really funny. (laughs) I feel bad admitting it, but like his song is good (laughs) and I am amused. It's like, it's like probably there's so many people that Harry would have not wanted to like have the catch him in this situation, but the fact that it's Peeves. And I think that, honestly, part of it is that I feel like Peeves is, like, genuinely shocked when he sees Nearly Headless Nick. Because it's like, you're a ghost. Nothing really, like, nothing can touch me. Right. But it's like, oh, you can be petrified? That's pretty horrifying. And then, yeah, then he just turns it around. It's just like, oh, I'm not afraid. It's just Harry Potter murdering people. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, what? (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Yeah. Uh, okay. So, listeners, it's maybe a little off, uncharacteristic. I don't know what word I'm looking for. We're going to talk about the the entirety of the parcel mouth part of this chapter in the front page because we, it's too complex to put in any other section, basically. You probably don't care where we talk about it, but we feel weird about it, so we're letting you know. Now we're going to talk about the parcel mouth thing. <laughs> And I honestly, like, don't even, I, I don't know. I, I, like, barely underlined anything in this chapter that had to do with it, even though that's the main point of the chapter, because I'm kind of at a loss for how to talk about it. So I'm sort of hoping that you can lead this conversation. Yeah, I have, I have, I have a couple of things about it. My first thing is, let's, let's start off with the logistics of being a parcel tongue. Because it's Mm -hmm. confusing. So with Harry, I think we can assume that the reason he... That the part of him that is leading him to be a parcel tongue is that little bit of, like, Voldemort's soul that's inside of him. Mm -hmm. But but beyond that, it's maybe genetic? Like, what? And so I feel like it's... I feel like I wouldn't necessarily even qualify it as... I mean, it is a language, but, like, can you learn, like, parcel mouth? 
it just seems like a weird thing where it's like you're born with this ability to like talk to snakes or to be able to communicate, be understood by a snake and vice versa. And it's just, it's such a like, it's such a weird thing to be able to inherit, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I think that you're correct. It's genetic. You can't learn it. It's like being a, what is Tonks? A metamorph something, something, something. Yes, metamorph magi. Also, what a terrible word, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, where you just are, where you just are born with it. I feel like the way that it's described, I would guess that an infant who didn't, hadn't even learned to speak the language that their parents speak, if you put a snake in their cradle would be able to talk to the snake, which is weird because obviously that's not how language works, but. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, it's not how language works. And it's like, is parcel mouth the only people communicating with animals languages is? Because if I could like understand cats, that would be, aw- that would be cool. Also pretty terrible because I'm sure my cat would just scream at me even more. If this is, she'd be able to tell you why she suddenly doesn't like the food you're feeding her anymore. So that'd be great. So I can, so you can just be like, "Oh, I just don't like this anymore." Can you get me some more quail? And I'm like, "Get a get a job." No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's very beautiful. She could probably be a model. <laughs> She's such good eyeliner. Winnie the Instagram influencer. She could. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm like, if I was in this world and it's like, some people have an inherent ability to talk to animals, I'd be like, yes, can I just talk to cats? That would be cool. Cats are magical just like snakes are. That's such a good question. Do you think that Harry can talk to all reptiles or just snakes? I think that's actually a really good question. A basilisk is obviously snake-like, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is a snake. You know? True. And so... It's a serpent. This serpent and snake are those synonymous. I mean, like, I don't know. It's like, if you're a giant, like, magical, long-living basilisk, maybe you're more like a dragon. I feel like that just seems more... They're hatched from rooster's eggs, too. No, they're hatched from chicken eggs. But the call of the rooster is fatal. Something like that. Just sorry, roosters don't lay eggs. So Harry can talk to regular snakes and magical snakes. Mm -hmm. So like, maybe if there are snake-adjacent magical creatures he could talk to? So given that many biologists at this point agree that birds and reptiles are one kingdom... If Harry could talk to all reptiles, he should be able to talk to Hedwig. They're all dinosaurs. Yeah. And, like, to dragons. He should have been able to be like, hello, in the fourth book. Excuse me, ma'am. Can I just grab the fake egg in your nest? It's good. I don't need need anyone. Just the fake egg. Oh, my God. That should have... That should have been how that went. How fucking rad would that have been if Harry just walked out and was like, why, hello. This is what's going on. I just got to It's not even yours. And then everyone was like, what the fuck? And then he got it in like two and a half seconds. Yeah, I definitely have 
read at least three different fan fictions that has like had some kind of variation of like Hera uses his parcel tongue ability to like just communicate with the dragon. And it's like, Amazing. why was this in the books? Yeah, that's really incredible. I feel like my other question is, is that I I haven't landed on if I think that Harry could is still a parcel tongue after he destroys the bit of Voldemort's soul inside of him. Because I feel like it makes sense that he wouldn't, but then I'm like, but maybe he just has that ability now. I don't know. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I don't know. And so, it's also kind of frustrating where it's like, everyone's like, oh man, being able to talk to snakes is such an evil thing to do. And I'm like, but it's just snakes, dude. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. And everyone's interpretation of the situation is really weird too. I'm with Harry when he's like, I talked to the snake and then it backed off. Like it was attacking. And then I was like, hissy, hissy. And then it stopped attacking and instead everyone's like you made it attack and that's really weird and it just seems like maybe not everyone in the school would be familiar with the fact that parcel mouth even existed or that it was associated with something bad so it doesn't seem like like that doesn't seem like something that ron would know you know what i mean but wait is it if it's like well known that Salazar Slytherin was a parcel mouth, though, and like since he founded the bigoted house, yeah. But don't I mean? Don't you feel like the only class I would have learned that in is history of magic, and no one is paying attention in that class? So how would Ron know that? Hermione would know that because she's read Hogwarts of history. Ron has not ever opened Hogwarts of history. I mean, maybe for a bunch of the like witching the witch born children maybe it's just a a thing that gets passed around yeah that's true Ooh, talking to snakes which <laughs> i feel like probably sucks because there's probably other places i mean there's places in the world where there's a fuck ton of snakes that are native to that continent like i'm sure there's a ton of possum mouths in india where you have a fuck ton of snakes that are native to that area so it's sort of like it's probably weird if it's just like... You know who was probably a parcel mouth was uh, St. Patrick. Isn't Didn't St. Patrick like drive the snakes out of Ireland or something like that? Mm-hmm. He was probably a witch yeah. who could talk to snakes. Yeah. I just feel like there's probably some uh, like Southeast Asian and Indian witches who are like, okay, but my entire families are parcel mouths because... Because of evolution. Because it's evolutionarily beneficial to be able to talk to snakes and protect your family from cobras yeah totally so i feel like it's maybe also a little bit of that people being like oh only foreigners know how to talk to snakes yeah especially since i feel like we've established that like salazar slytherin is probably from spain yeah it is it's it it's a really this whole thing i feel like just raises more questions than it answers and maybe that's kind of the point except like thinking forward through the rest of the books i don't feel like the the questions are ever really resolved i kind of wish it would have came up more later in the series too it's like harry's this really cool rare magical ability why does he at the very least i mean maybe it would have been too much but i'm like he could have just had a pet snake percy and ron have this illegal rat yeah (laughs) it's like (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and some snakes are, like, really into hanging out with people. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Harry really doesn't need any more, like, stigma. He doesn't need to be, like, the weird snake kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't need that in his life. Yeah. It's like that weirdo Harry Potter always in the corner talking to his snake. <laughs> uh also not a euphemism everyone so (laughs) i probably should have waited till you weren't taking a sip of your drink i managed i managed that time to not try and ruin my equipment (laughs) spewing tequila all over it Uh, okay is there more about this parcel mouth stuff that we should dig into I only had like one small point that I appreciated. So when you read book one and Harry's just talking to the boa constrictor at the zoo, you're like, oh, another weird thing that like magical kids can do. And then it comes back here where it's like, actually, this is really rare. And people think only dark wizards can do this. And Harry's just like, I just taught it to a boa. And they're like, what? (laughs) It's like, just what? I just like it when minor things come back in the book. That's all. Yeah, no, I agree, for sure. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. So, unfair Hermione description, watch. Ron says, you read too much, Hermione, when she's literally naming things that could be responsible for the attacks happening in the school. Fuck off, Ron. Not only that, but it's like, this is, that's literally 80% of the reason why she is able to save your ass, Ron. Right. It's like, that is, she's saying useful shit. Why are you shutting her down? The appropriate response is like, oh, what's a chameleon ghoul or something? Yeah. Like, not, you read too much. It's like, oh, what is that? Could that be the thing paralyzing everyone? Like, why? Why? Why is he such a dick? I mean, who knows really why Ron is a dick in a majority of these books. <laughs> but yeah, that yeah. like, that just like that part in particular is just so wild. I'm just, it's so wild that he would say that to her. I'm like, are you fucking mm-hmm. kidding me? Ah. <sighs> Like, while you're brewing this fucking potion, so that you can find out what's doing this. Right. That, like, Ron and Harry would never in a million years be able to do on their own. Right. (sighs) Okay. So, then, crying emoji Neville watched just his, his description of himself as being almost a squib is devastating. Yeah, Neville's... Neville's self-esteem level is real low. And I'm like, baby, it's okay. You're worth 12 of Malfoy's. Remember that. Exactly. Yes. And also, it just also really bothers me because he, he should understand that being a squib is the same, is like the opposite of being a muggle-born witch. You're either a witch or a muggle, There is no in-between. There's no such thing as almost a squib. And I feel like the only reason that he would hold that belief about himself is because he has been told really terrible things by his really terrible family that have made him, 
like believe something that's like just objectively impossible it's not possible to be almost a squib so like it just it just shatters my heart to think about where he got that message yeah no it's like pretty it's pretty terrible and i think it it also raises the question of what happens to people that aren't super powerful like great with magic people you probably hear this from people all of the time which seems fucked up i mean it is fucked up yeah like even if neville did have a like low magical ability like he doesn't he doesn't deserve to be treated like this like there's no reason to treat him like this yeah he is a growing child like he and he is a worthwhile person it's just like what the idea that he would think that he was at as a pureblood at risk of being attacked by this fucking monster because he's bad at magic is it it just makes me want to like yell at his grandmother (laughs) like so much i just it who cares i don't just i don't know yeah it's very frustrating well you know your your worth in society is really only tied to your magical output but that's like i mean we had this sort of question before where we were like well okay we can probably assume that people like merchants in in Diagon Alley, presumably most of those folks are low-powered witches, right? The reason that you make cloaks or make ice cream or are the proprietor of a restaurant or something like that is because you're not particularly powerful, so you can't, like, work as a curse breaker or obliviate people for a living (laughs) like Arthur Weasley. Um, So... (laughs) So it's not like it's not like there's not a place in this society for people who aren't particularly powerful. There's a lot of jobs available that are very very necessary that that don't rely on you being particularly good at magic with your wand. No, but I feel like if you're the only child of a pure pure blood house like Neville is, it's like those things are probably not acceptable for him to do. Neville, like Neville's just have a like plant shop and that should be his job. I don't like I feel like that might not be an acceptable avenue. Yeah, but also given the whole there's no child care in this damn society situation, like probably Neville's fucking gran was a stay-at-home mom. So like, how is that any more respectable than like running a plant shop? These are both totally legitimate avenues of being an adult witch that don't particularly rely on having a ton of magical ability, mm-hmm. especially because she presumably has a house elf. So like she doesn't even have to be able to conjure dinner. You know, yeah. she could have the house elf conjure dinner and do nothing, but like, I don't know, hang out with her kid or not, you know, run <laughs> DAR meetings. I feel like that's what she did. <laughs> Only the British equivalent of. So... So, I don't know. I... Yeah. Leave Neville alone. Moral yeah. of the story. Yes. Please, b- build Neville up. Do not break him down. He is... Yeah. Give him kittens. So, so many kittens. Whenever this episode comes out, I'm posting our Give Neville a Basket of Kittens meme This is definitely a, a chapter where he needs a basket of kittens. 
Yeah. What if, what if there was just, I don't know, a ghost or something that like every time Neville said something self-depreciating just appeared on the scene and like shoved a basket of kittens. Anyway. Okay. So next I have an fuck you JKR writing ugly as bad watch alert with Millicent Bolstrode. Okay, yeah, I have that somewhere. Yeah. Editorials, maybe. I had it in editorials, but I, I would definitely want to talk about it here. It's just like, I don't know. And like, I feel like the way that Millicent is described, I'm just like, oh, maybe she's just soft butch. Leave this soft butch baby alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. I did not. I did not like the way that the description of Millicent was played off, even though I'm just like, okay, yeah. That is a way that people look. Yeah. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I feel like the mean girls in Slytherin House should all look like Regina George. (laughs) Beautiful and evil. You know, (laughs) I don't just this this it's like it's like jk rowling literally cannot fathom the idea that someone can be unkind and attractive at the same time slash that someone can be unattractive and kind all of these things are within the realm of possibilities malfoy is the only person that that breaks this well, I guess, like, the whole Malfoy family, right? Like, Bellatrix and Narcissa and and whatever. But, like, everyone else, it's like, oh, they're bulky and look dumb and whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, just stop. Right. It's like, oh, she's pug-nosed. I'm like, what? What does that even mean? I, like, don't even know. Is that Millicent, too? Or are you talking about No, no, Pansy? no. That that's It's actually... Pansy Parkinson, who I've always envisioned as kind of being a very pretty mean girl, but I think she's described as having a pug nose, which I'm like... She totally is. Which I'm like, what? I I know. It's It's, just infuriating. It's lazy. It's really lazy to just equate people who are quote-unquote evil with people who are being the same as like people who are quote-unquote like ugly. Yeah. And it also is just such a narrow idea of what makes someone beautiful i think i feel like whether or not someone is attractive is all about who they are how they move through the world how they present themselves you know yeah anyway yeah okay it's lazy writing my last politics note is i'm just i'm never gonna stop until we get past this reminding every time mandrakes come up reminder Mandrakes are people. She's putting socks on them. What? And mittens. They're cold because they're people. <laughs> they have little cold extremities that she's gently putting mittens on. So I don't know if this is weird. I have always imagined that mandrakes are, are person size, like human, human person sized. I imagine the whole like them moving into each other's pots thing. I imagine them being over five feet tall. And I don't think that's correct. But that's how, from the first time I read the books, I was like, I imagined them being human-sized. I feel like I didn't, I feel like I did not imagine them as being human-sized. 
They probably aren't. But I feel like we never get a description of, like, their pots later in the book. Because I feel like from here on out, like, Sprout is the one who's, like, been caring for them. Right. I wonder if I would ever be able to find the link again. There's this, like, really beautiful one-paragraph fanfic about Sprout and McGonagall as long-term partners where McGonagall is helping Sprout repot mandrakes because she's the only person that Sprout trusts to help her with the task. And literally nothing sexy happens. It's just this, like, very tender, very touching, we've been in a relationship for 20 years and we're still in love. Literally only one paragraph, and it is so... Oh, beautiful. For a long time, like years, it was the only fanfic I had ever read. <laughs> and I was like, that was so touching and I loved it so much. And for some reason, I'm not going to seek out more fanfic. <laughs> but if I can find it, I'm going to I'm gonna link to it because it is just so... It really, it really... I was looking for Sprout McGonagall fanfic because I wanted to make sure that there was like a lot of confirmation in the world that confirmed my long-held belief that they are a couple and this was just such a perfect representation of the way that I have always thought about them as a couple which is rooted in one sentence from the seventh book when they're fighting Voldemort and it says someone's like we can't hold him off forever and Sprout's like but we can try and then a grim look of understanding passes between the two women. And it's like, if that is not a couple that have been married for 20 years, at least, I don't know what is. Even I was, what? How, I don't know how old I was when the first, when the seventh book came out, like 18 maybe. But like the first time I read it, I was like, oh my God, they're in love. And they have been for a really long time. Like that is an old married couple. Like they... <laughs> You don't you don't exchange a grim look of understanding like that with someone else if you haven't been in love with them forever. This is true. So anyway, now everyone knows why I think that, and also I'm gonna try and find that fanfic to link for you. You totally should. Yeah. I Yeah, I've never read McGonagall as a straight person. <laughs> I just, just like no. Mm-mm. Clearly not. And then I remember when J.K.R. was like, oh, Dumbledore is gay. And I'm like, obviously. And everyone's like, no, him and McGonagall are in love. And I'm like, no, she's also gay. What are you guys doing? What? Are you guys I've reading? I've never heard that. Yeah. People think that Dumbledore and McGonagall are in love. I'm outraged. Yeah, I know. I was like, LOL, they're both queer. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, that is absurd. Yeah. That is so ridiculous. I was like, no, everyone is wrong. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. So should we start off with the dueling club? <laughs> That's my first note. Yep. Alright. Let's start off with the dueling club. There's like literally no policies at this school. I I don't understand. Why was Lockhart allowed to start this club? Why was he allowed to start this club? Why are him and Snape the only adults that are that are there in a room that seems like it's full of hundreds of children that are learning how to duel? This is always going to be a disaster. The fact that besides maybe some bruised, some bruising, 
no one else is terribly injured is miraculous. I mean, it's only because the whole situation with the snake happened and the club ended early. If they had kept going, many, many more terrible things would have happened. There would have been so many injured kids. Yeah, and it's just like, I don't... What a joke. What a fucking joke. Like, why did anyone allow this to happen? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also... So do we move from there to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you were going to say? Do we move from there to Lockhart or Snape? Um... Either either one. I was about to say that Snape behaved very badly in this chapter. <laughs> so and, let's move. And even, even as an apologist, I like can't. I don't have. I'm just like you. Just fucked up this entire chapter, bro. Like so bad. Like what? Oh my god. Why did you tell Malfoy a spell to shoot a snake at someone? What the fuck? What are you doing? Stop being mean to Neville. Also, you're the only competent oh adult God. here. His shit that... Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that he says to Neville is unforgivable. He should be fired. It's... That is... I mean, obviously he should be fired. But, like, saying something... Like, he he should be facing serious disciplinary action as a result of saying something like that about a student in front of the entire school. You should never... You should never be allowed to do something like that as a teacher no should not talk to children like that ever in any capacity (sighs) yeah neville needs those kittens also also they need they need like eight more staff people here to keep both of these guys in check like again whose idea was this this is a terrible idea it's such so much about this is is just beyond. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Lockhart? Ugh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's talk about Lockhart, aka this fucking guy. Why just why did anyone let him do this? Where's McGonagall? <laughs> Someone needs to fucking be here. That's that's like under control as a person. I the thing that really gets me is that Hagrid needs permission to put a charm around her chicken coop and Lockhart is allowed to start a fucking dueling club. Those those need to be reversed. Hagrid should 100% be allowed to put a charm on her chicken coop to keep her roosters safe without having to ask anybody because duh and Lockhart Absolutely should not be allowed to start a dueling club. This is not... every Everything is has been done incorrectly. Yeah. Here. Yeah. It just, yeah, everything about this is wrong and is wrong and should never have happened. This should literally have never happened. And then what comes out of this is more shunning of Harry by the entire school. No one is like, hey, stop fucking picking on Harry. No one. Parse about this just an, an innate magical ability that doesn't mean you're fucking evil. Right. Could someone say that, please? <sighs> it, literally anyone. Literally anyone. Just any adult. Like, any anyone, please. It, it's... It, I... Yep. Great questions all around. We kind of we lost sight of the fact that we're trying to talk about Lockhart here, though. 
What does he do? There were a couple. His, like, I could have stopped you. It was so obvious what you were about to do. <laughs> like, Literally no one believes that. Literally. No one. L- literal children are like, no, dude. No. And then, of course, there's, like, the my wand was overexcited thing. <laughs> Too much. It's Too much. So much. And the... I feel like with him, I just keep coming back to this question of... He knows that he's a fraud. So why is he not doing more work to protect the image that he's trying to cultivate because he knows that every time he puts himself in a position like this to show that he doesn't know what he's doing, he's risking his image. And if we didn't have the scene at the end where he's like, in fact, I am a fraud. Other people did all of those things. I can't, do literally anything but obliviate people then i'd be like oh he's just like created such a strong delusion that he buys into it but he clearly doesn't so it seems just totally wrong that he wouldn't for instance start a dueling club and then invite two other teachers to show like to do the examples of the spells to teach and have him basically like emceeing it. You know, it was like he was still in charge. He still did the thing, but like he's instead ordering around the other teachers because that would protect this image. Maybe it's an ego thing. But that's to protect his ego. He needs to not make a fool of himself. And he knows that he'll make a fool of himself. He knows that he's bad at these things. But so here's the thing, though, is that so he makes a bunch of mistakes in this book that you're like, surely now someone will see that he is a fraud. But then you see people being like, oh, it's easy to make a mistake of erasing someone's bones or like, oh, yeah, maybe he probably could have blocked that. But it's wanted to show the kids like I feel like he has enough plausible deniability that I think it was fed by the fact that he's he charms people and he's like able to sort of play it off. Like, Oh, I meant to do that. And a way that's like, should have told people that he is a fraud, but I feel like he's so confident in his actions. I feel like people would buy into that. It's like, Oh, okay. But isn't it the case that like literally Harry's entire class, except for Hermione after the first lesson was like, that guy's a fraud. I don't actually think that he's fooling most people. He's fooling Hermione because she has a crush, which, okay, I guess. But otherwise, like, all the teachers clearly think that he's full of shit. And it seems like most of the students also think that he's full of shit. So, I don't know. I just feel like... But, like, maybe they think that he's full of shit. I mean, maybe they... Because, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. So, a lot of the professors are annoyed at him for being like, oh, I can do this, this thing that's literally your job. But... Maybe it hasn't gotten to the point where they're just like, oh, well, he doesn't know how to do his own job. So here's the thing. I I don't think so because of the way that they act at the end where they're like, oh, Gilderoy, you go help. And then they're like, great, we got him out of the way. Clearly, they don't think that he can do it. And then two, the way that he acts at the school is totally counter to the way that he has gained his fame, 
Like, if he acted this way in the scenarios that he's in, quote-unquote, in, in his books, he would have actually gone and tried to defeat the werewolf and the vampire and the yeti, and he would have failed. He knows that he can't do those things, so he lets someone else do them, and then he takes the credit by stealing their memories. So, and, and that's just, like, not, that's not consistent. Like, if he he gained his fame through this very specific thing of being like, I'm a, I am no good at magic except for obliviating people. I'm going to pretend that I did all this stuff. So he should be comporting himself at Hogwarts in a way that is designed to make him look like he's good at things that he knows he's not good at. But instead he tries to do things that he knows he's not good at knowing that he's not good at them and that doesn't make any sense is this a correction (laughs) i think it is yes i think it turned into a correction (laughs) i didn't think it was going there but that's where it ended up yeah because this might just be an instance of like lockhart's actions are just moving the plot along and not actually consistent with his character which is again a thing of a a show of lazy writing yeah this book is the plot of this book is swiss cheese that is the moral of this season of the gaily prophet yeah um i have a couple more things about education yeah so hogwarts student black market that popped up after the student club (laughs) yeah who is making these amulets like what is happening Neville just brought, like, some amethyst, apparently, for protection, and I'm like... They must... Older... The older kids, third years and up or whatever, must be getting them in, like, the Nocturne Alley equivalent of Hogsmeade, right? But I feel like some of the things that, they, that Neville's described as buying is just, like... I feel like they just are just selling the younger kids. Because I, th- I think you're right. I think it's definitely older kids selling it to younger kids. And it just sounds like random stuff. Like, it doesn't even sound like any of it's gonna work, you know? Yeah. But it's also kind of like, but you guys are magic. You could make actual items of protection or buy them, right? I'm just... Yeah. I just, I was just really amused by that part. And that seems like the most kind of like normal school thing to happen is like someone selling like random stuff out of their bag in the hallway before class. They're like, no, I swear it's Ritalin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have people people at my... (laughs) high school and i think middle school who would sell like candy bars and chips out of their out of their backpack because we didn't have vending machines at my high school oh so yeah no i went to hippie school we had complete freedom to leave campus the only thing kids were selling out of their backpack were drugs and cigarettes so <laughs> uh, but i definitely speaking of my dumbass friends in high school like had friends that paid money <laughs> <laughs> painted <laughs> painted pebbles that someone told them were opium. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I'm a terrible person, I have always want to sell teenage like when I was a teenager, like not like now, but I, when I was a teenager, I really want to sell fake ecstasy and just car things into like Smarties. I like never got to that point because ADHD and follow yeah. up. But I'm just like, I can make so much money selling fake drugs to people. Right? 
totally. Oh my god. Oh, you must just gotten a bad batch. My bad. <laughs> you didn't. It only get worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. All right. Anyway, the only other thing I have is that, and I think we talked about this at some point before, but just how ridiculous that this is like the middle of book two and Harry is just now finding out even where the headmaster's office is. Yep, and you that's... have to go with the teacher who has the password. And I don't know. That just seems really ridiculous. That's also my last education <laughs> point. It's like, <laughs> that's not the point of being a headmaster. No. You're supposed to be available to the students of the school. It's like totally unacceptable that you need a password to get to his office. And I feel like it'd be different if you, if it was ever seemed like Dumbledore was just like walking in the hallways, like saying hi to kids or whatever, you know, if he was just like, oh, he's never in his office. Why do I need to go there? But you don't really get the sense that he's around ever. What does he do all day? Like, what the fuck, dude? Right, because, like, what are the headmaster responsibilities if not dealing with students? You s- that's your job as the headmaster slash dean slash principal, whatever your title is, you're, like, responsible for students. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure whatever, like, weird administrative stuff he has to do does not take up all of his time for him to not be out in the school with the kids. Right. No, he totally, he totally needs an office that's accessible. And that's the other thing is that there's not like a secretary anywhere. There's not like a place where children can reliably go find a teacher. Like they can go to the teacher's lounge, but that's like kind of an off limits area. That's not like somewhere you're supposed to go to access an authority figure. So unless you can just like find them in the hallway or they happen to be in their office and it seems like their offices are scattered throughout the castle as opposed to in a central area, these kids are kind of on their own. And that's like really fucked up. And I mean, I think we see it time and time again why that's, a, why that's terrible. Right. And it's, it's weird because it's like, even if there was like a system where you're like, you touch your wand to a thing and it rings a bell or it like alerts <laughs> the teachers somehow that you're being bullied mercilessly like something yeah the castle is so huge there's only so many teachers literally anything can be happening and in the course of this book literally (laughs) everything does happen that is terrible because there's (laughs) no control over any of these children and their whereabouts and what they're doing at any given time yep that's correct (laughs) Okay. Like, you never see a portrait being like, let me go get a teacher. What the fuck is the point of you? What are the point of the fucking portraits? Shouldn't they know that it's a basilisk? Can we just... <laughs> right! Oh, yeah, I saw big-ass snakes just slithering past, uh, you know, yesterday afternoon while I was tending my sheep in this painting of me on the hillside. Like, yeah, you should get on that, Dumbledore. Like, come on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're only, they're only, like, attentive when there's something to gossip about, and the rest of the time, they're just like, I didn't see anything. (sighs) This goddamn school. We're pretty mad, so you want to go to editorial? (laughs) Yes, we can go to editorial! Welcome to editorials, where we rant about stuff. I'm pretty mad that Ron would dare to go to a 
fucking dueling club with his broken ass wand that is clearly a risk to everyone around him and himself. Yeah, I don't know what he was literally thinking. That was a terrible idea. What did he do to poor Seamus? I thought, wait, I thought Seamus was like comforting him for whatever Ronnie did to himself. No. Oh, you're right. No, he, he was, he did apologize to Seamus for whatever he did. It's, I mean, honestly, he clearly needs to do something about the fact that his wand is broken. But also, if he's not, he needs to like take precautionary measures and not point that shit at another human being. I feel like Ron and Precaution are like just two magnets that are like, Meh, don't connect, <laughs> wait, repel. <laughs> Whatever side of the magnet that does that. <laughs> Yeah. Also, someone get Ron a new fucking wand. Yep. Why have none of the teachers noticed that his wand is broken? His grades must suck this year because his wand is broken. It's, just, it's basically like if you grades suck because you can't see the board because you need glasses and no one has gotten him glasses. This yep. is basically what's happening. That's a very good analogy. Just the Hufflepuffs in this chapter. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's just ridiculous. They just are... So mean to Harry in this chapter. It's like, you guys. Mostly Ernie. Yeah, Ernie's a dick. Because Hannah's kind of like, I don't, I mean, but really, has yeah. he ever? And Ernie's like, no, shut up. I have opinions. Yeah, I feel like, Su- I feel like Susan's like, uh, I don't know about this. Oh, is it Susan? I, it might be both of them, honestly. Because there's a lot of Hufflepuffs to get this table. So. Yeah, that's true. Just like don't spread rumors is like a really solid universal piece of life advice. Yeah. I mean, this again could have been prevented if someone was, was, would have said something to the students about like, hey, y'all, just because someone's a parcel mouth doesn't mean they're evil and, and trying to murder right. students. Right. My only other editorial is for Hermione and Ron, which is like, <laughs> Is this unlocked public bathroom actually the safest place to brew your potion for over a month? Are we sure that that is a good idea? Because I'm not. You know, I actually actually think that... I actually think it might be since it is the toilet that Myrtle hangs out most in. And it seems like if her... Hermione and Ron are any indication no one wants to hang out around Myrtle. Yeah, but like Hermione knows about that bathroom. Oh wait, I'm sure everyone knows about that bathroom, but she's been in there before. That that shit is like in there for a month. It that's not that's a lot of time for <laughs> someone a a first year to not know that that's not a bathroom people want to go in and to just like go in there to pee and accidentally discover their potion Two, for someone to have like an urgent need and not have enough time to make it to a different bathroom before their next class three for someone to just be like i'll just ignore myrtle and like go pee fuck it you know this is this is this is a very public place and this is a castle full of dark corners to do things in. Hagrid literally raised a 
giant person eating spider somewhere in the dungeons without anyone finding out except for Snoopy Tom Riddle. Percy and Penelope Clearwater are getting up to all kinds of shenanigans <laughs> down in the dungeons without anyone finding out what they're doing. There are better places. This is not a good place to do this. I, I don't know. I think I have to I think I have to disagree just because I feel like hiding things in plain sight is often a really good hiding place. And it seems like they're in a mm. stall that's like furthest from the door. Even if there is one person who's just like, I gotta pee and I don't want to look for another bathroom, they're not going any further than that first or second stall. And if they are, they're leaving immediately. So if there's like weird bubbling, gurgling noises, they're probably just like, this weird haunted bathroom, okay, I'm, I'm out. Okay, so here's my question. Are they able to somehow magically lock and barricade the stall when they're not there? The stall does have a keyhole, so, because Hermione looks to it when Harry comes in. So they could lock it. But honestly, I think if Hermitus put a, like, out-of-order sign on it, I think that also would have sufficed. It's probably locked, because it's Hermione. Okay. I Out of order. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone in there. Fine. <laughs> also, I don't want Ghost Merle to cry at me while I pee. That's, like, a lot of... That's, that's a lot of piece of this, on. though. She... Myrtle knows everything that they're doing. She could tell on them at any given moment, and she's extremely volatile, and if they offend her, she has literally no reason to not go snitch on them, which is kind of an important piece of deciding if it's a safe place to brew your potion. No, I think, yes, that is actually... Because that's such an X factor that... That could have gone wrong real quick. Because, yeah, Myrtle doesn't have any loyalty to them. And Code has been like, I have a secret. Come pay attention to me so I can tell you my, like, terrible, awesome, terrible secret. Yeah. So. This terrible decision that these children are making <laughs> <laughs> for no reason. Oh. Oh, Myrtle. <laughs> oh, Hermione. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. What are, <laughs> do you have other editorials? I think we actually covered most of my editorials in other sections. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Corrections, where we correct stuff. And this is just inconsistency within the canon correction, where the what Expelliarmus looks like in this chapter where we're first introduced to it is nothing like what Expelliarmus looks like throughout the rest of the series. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to like describe how I just, oh. I, guess I didn't, I didn't really notice, I guess. So it like throws Lockhart and his wand goes flying and like Susan Fawcett or someone catches it as opposed to like his wand leaving his hand and going to Snape. Like Expelliarmus takes your wand from the person or takes the wand from the person and gives it to the person who performed the spell. Mm-hmm. And that's not even a little bit what it looks like in this chapter. It's basically just you punched them with your wand and they yeah. dropped their wand as a result. Because mm-hmm. like when Malfoy does it on Harry, Harry feels like he got punched in the chest, but nothing happens. He doesn't even lose his wand. I, I get that maybe Malfoy like doesn't really know how to do the spell or whatever, but even if he's not doing it correctly, it should just feel like Harry's wand getting tugged out of his hand, but not successfully. Yeah. No, you're right. Again, the inconsistent plotting in this book. 
I'm like always, every single time there's something that doesn't line up between the first, like one mention and another, I'm going to be here to call it out. So. <laughs> Welcome to Horoscopes. Ooh, squeaky. Um, <laughs> welcome to horoscopes. There are only horoscopes for relevant characters in this chapter who have known birthdays. So we have horoscopes here for Draco, Harry, Hermione, Snape, Lockhart, and Ron. Neither Justin nor Ernie have known birthdays. Which is unfortunate, but... Yes. All right, here we go. Gemini. Oh, Gemini, will you ever find the line between flirting and malice? They'll never know that... (laughs) They'll never know you like them if you keep attacking. This week, try a new tactic. (laughs) All right. Leo. You can't charm everyone all the time, Leo. Prepare to be misunderstood this week. (laughs) (laughs) Virgo. Slow your roll, Virgo. Rushing into a new project isn't likely to have the outcome you desire. Take some time (laughs) to think before you act this week. (laughs) Capricorn, which just for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, Gemini is Draco, Leo is Harry, Virgo is Hermione, Capricorn is Snape. Capricorn, just because you think you're better than everyone doesn't mean you should act on it, Capricorn. Take some time this week to process your frustration in a healthy way. (laughs) Aquarius, which is Lockhart. Aquarius, avoid the public eye if you can. This isn't your week to shine. (laughs) Pisces, which is Ron. Pisces, to be honest, things look pretty chill for you this week, Pisces. Take a deep breath and be grateful. Oh yeah, this is this is a a very chill chapter for Ron. It is. Where he has to be in in proximity to giant spiders, which going to be horrifying. Where he? Oh, before he is that what you said? Before he has to? Yeah, yeah. His horoscope for that week would be much worse. Oh. Time to face your fears. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh. oh, All right. Thank you for listening to the Gaily Prophet. We have a new announcement to make, which is we have added a donate button to our website. So if you don't want to become a monthly donator through our Patreon, because for some reason you're not interested in getting our Patreon exclusive stuff, that's fine. You can still throw a little money our way to keep this podcast sustainable for the long haul. It would be good if you gave me some money (laughs) because this is like a 20 hour a week job for me as the editor and producer of the gaily prophet so if you benefit from the existence of this podcast just go to thegailyprophet.com and click on donate and you can throw any dollar amount that feels good to you our way every every dollar every dollar counts y'all 
If you would like to support us in other ways, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under The Gaily Prophet. Um, you should definitely share stuff, retweet, regram, share our stuff. It's really great. And, you know, the more fans we have the who can see our cool stuff, uh, the better we feel about making putting putting the work into this here podcast and the better uh, the world is and the better the world is about you know our in-depth analyses of these here books um you should rate and review us on itunes stitcher facebook wherever you're listening to this at you should leave us a review it helps people find us and it makes us feel excellent because we know that you like us you really like us um <laughs> uh again we are also on patreon if you want to become a monthly subscriber we have it starts at the one dollar a month if you, you you know just want to shoot us for a dollar there's a lot of really cool patreon exclusive material up on patreon um also under the gaily profit you can also buy some of our merch on our website thegailyprofit.com with some cool mugs and stickers and t-shirts to show everyone what a queer Harry Potter nerd you are. Yep. You can find me on the internet at larkmalakai.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com where you, you can learn about all the different things that I do in case you want to give me money for other skill sets that I have, including giving really good tarot readings trying to do more tarot readings with my time so i'm just putting it out to the universe slash all of our listeners that that's a skill set that i have and i can do no matter where you live so you should go schedule a reading with me because it's fun also you can find me on instagram at lark malachi and at radical healer you can find me on the internet on twitter at jesse underscore detroit and I am also on Instagram at Live from Detroit. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler warning is voiced by Sarah Sarwar. Our logo art is by Theo Julian Forrester, as is the fantastic weekly comics for every uh, chapter episodes. Um, Theo makes them every week and they're phenomenal. Please go check them out because they're great and they're on our website and our social media and uh you can find all the all the information in our show notes yes until next time bilingual rumors malice scuttling